Good job, Colin. What a great video. Rich, what a great graphic. These guys did a good job. I'm glad you're here today. You know, there's a, a diamond is only formed under intense heat and pressure. I read this week that it's through extreme conditions that the molecular structure of the diamond is melted into place. And it's a molecular structure, the bonds at the very core of the stone that make the diamond what it is. The bonds of a diamond have such integrity of purpose that it's the hardest substance known to man, the diamond. A diamond can cut through every other substance. You know, and God longs to form an integrity of belief and faith in us like those that are formed in a diamond. And the only way that he can accomplish uh, this integrity of belief and faith in us is when we are under extreme, intense pressure. So as Rich said, we're starting our new series from the book of James. I don't know how far we'll get through that, but it's called Under Pressure. You see, when you're under pressure, it brings out the real you. It shows our true character when we're under pressure. You see, it's when you're under pressure that uh, the commitments that you made at Revival last week and every night, the front of our church was just filled with people making commitments, many surrendering their lives totally to Jesus Christ. And it, it'll be under pressure that those commitments that we made will be tested. It, it'll be under the uh, pressure of the bills not getting paid or something breaking down that will be under intense pressure to keep our tithe challenge uh, that uh, you may have made. You see, it, under, it's under pressure that our faith is tested. And today we're going to look at how to handle life when we're under pressure. We're under pressure from the trials and suffering of life. You see, you already know this, uh, and so it's not a profound statement, but life is hard. And it's filled with trials and it's filled with suffering because and because of that, we live under pressure. We live under the pressure because of the trials and suffering that go on in our lives and in our world. And so I, I want to help us understand how to think clearly when we are faced with those trials and suffering that come in our life. Uh, first of all, there are five of them. The first one is because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen to us. It started happening to us long ago in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve made the choice to be disobedient to God and man fell. And because of that, bad things happened to us. Many times people say, I can't understand why God is allowing this to happen to me. And the reality, God, uh, God uh, doesn't cause those things to happen to us. They happen to us because we live in a fallen world. Secondly, we have no control over many things that happen to us and to those around us. There's things that happen to us that we just have no control over. Next, we do have complete control over how we respond to our suffering and our trials. Our response, uh, next, our, our response to our trials will determine our spiritual growth or lack thereof. It, it, it's, a, it's under the trials and the pressure of suffering that will determine just how strong our faith is, just where we're at in our spiritual journey. And last, our struggles in the Christian life 
is, is inevitable. Long, they are uh, lifelong, but they have great benefit in our lives. Trials have great benefits in our lives. We encounter God's grace through our trials in ways that would not happen if those trials would not have come into our lives in the first place. So, so let's take a look uh, this morning at the command concerning the trials we face from the book of James and what James talks about. You see, uh, he starts out in chapter 1, verse 2, Paul says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Uh, James begins the book right out of the bat by reminding us that in this life, we're going to face trials and we're going to face suffering in our lives. And he begins off the book of James talking about that. No matter who we are or where we live, trouble, uh, trouble is just a phone call away. You know, this morning, it, it's just a conversation away. I mean, I, I got some bad, sad news this morning right outside the door, right before I came in here. And it's kind of put me under pressure this morning. You see, it's just a phone call away. That phone call from the doctor that, that you have cancer. Or the phone call from jail that your son has just been arrested. Or, 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 the, or the notice from the bank that your account is overdrawn. Or, or, or you may be fired without warning and you get the call from the boss that I want to see you. Or someone you trusted is spreading lies about you. Or your husband asks for a divorce. You see, the list could go on and on and on because trials come in many shapes and many sizes into our life. So how should we respond? Well, James gives this ridiculous piece of advice. He says, consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Now, he can't be serious. I mean, you get that phone call and the worst thing or the worst news that you may ever want to hear in your life or, or you get that email or you get that notice from the job or the bank and, and, and and James says to us, consider it pure joy. He can't be serious. Consider it joy. I think to myself, what's he smoking when he's writing that? <laughs> I mean, he must, not get, he must not have many trials in his life. It's downright impossible to have joy in the midst of trials and suffering. Do you know what the word joy means in the Greek? Anybody know? Joy. There's no word for it, no translation for it. It means joy. It, 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 it's pretty simple. Except joy is not our natural response when we get bad news. It, it's not our natural response to suffering. It's not our natural response to the trials that we face in life. Our natural response is what? Anger? Our natural response is despair? Our natural response is complaining? or whining, or getting even, or running away, you name it, our natural response is not to consider it pure joy. It is not natural for us to find joy in the tough times of life. So for us to consider our trials joy, we have to make a, cons uh, uh, we have to make a conscious choice that when the phone call comes, when the, when the conversation happens, when this tragedy strikes in our life, we have to make a decision at that moment to have joy. And to do that, you have to have a, a definition of joy. It's not happy. 
It's not happiness. Happiness has to do with our circumstances. But joy has to do with who we are on the inside. You see, joy, we have a definition of joy that I want to talk about today is joy is deep satisfaction that comes from knowing that God is in control even when my circumstances seem to be out of control. Do I need to read that one more time? Joy is deep satisfaction that comes from knowing that God is in control even when my circumstances seem to be out of control. You see, joy, the key to joy is knowing and believing that no matter what is happening in my life, no matter what's going on today, that God is in control. And that he promised that all things work together for good for those who know Jesus and love Jesus. And if you know that God is in control, you can be satisfied at the very deepest level of your soul, even when you cry over what is happening around you and to you, even in your tears, you can have joy because you know on the other side that God is in control, that God loves me, and that he's in control. So how can I have joy when tra tragedy strikes, when I feel like giving up? Here are five things I want to recommend. Number one, remember the promises of God. Remember the promises of God. There's a promise in the Bible for everything that you're going through. You see, that simply means dwell on the promises of God's presence, dwell on the promises of his comfort, dwell on the promises of the fact that he is going to care for you and, it is, and his certain purpose to make us more like Jesus. In the more difficult times, the promises don't come easy. I mean, that, that's why a few months ago when we were talking about first, we challenged you to be about memorizing Scripture. You know, be about planting that seed in your heart, that word in your heart, so that when those difficult times strike, you can say, look, God promised he would never leave me, forsake me, and that he would be my helper in time of need. It's in that time of need that we have that scripture that's right there in our heart. The scripture that says to me, do not be afraid. I will not be afraid because God is with me. And those promises of God, we need to hold on to them when trials of suffering happen. We need to give thanks for what you can give thanks for. You know, I realize that when suffering and difficulty comes, it's hard to give thanks for 99% of what we've just heard. But there's that 1% that we can focus on in every trial, in every situation, that 1%, that one thing in that difficult time that we can focus on and we can give thanks for to God. Third, Refuse to give in to bitterness and despair and anger. You have to make a conscious choice in your heart. I am not going to become bitter. I'm not going to become angry. I'm not going to become hostile. I am not going to retaliate. We have to make a choice to choose the high road. Next, we need to choose to believe in God. You're probably going, huh? Well, that's a given. Well, that, you know, believe in God. Believe, we need to not only believe that there's a God, the devil believes that, but we need to believe in God's goodness. We need to believe in God's love. We need to believe in God's kindness. We need to choose to believe that God is not mad at us, that God is not mad at you, that God is madly in love with you. He, he's madly in love with you, 
and that you and your circumstances matter to him. We got we to gotta believe that. We have to believe that no matter what's happening to me, it's not because God is punishing me. It's because, because God loves me and I matter to him. Lastly, choose to go on with life. Choose to live in the present and not to dwell on the trials and the suffering of the past. You see, the past is gone and we can't go back to the past. The only thing that we need to go back to the past for is to resolve the past and then to live in today and into the future, not to live in yesterday. You can't even live in today. You see, God is calling us to move forward on our journey. So why would I choose to have joy in the hard times? Well, James says we do so because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, James is saying in the trials of life that God is allowing it to happen so that he can test our faith. He doesn't cause it to happen, but in the midst of it, he tests our faith. You see, the word testing refers to the process by which gold ore was purified. In order to separate the gold from the dross, the ore was placed in a furnace, and it was heated until it melted. Now the dross rose to the surface and, and was skimmed off, leaving only pure gold. And that's a picture of what God is up to in the fiery trials of life. That he wants to skim off all the impurities in our life. He wants to skim those things off. And, and, and I got to say to you, we will all have to face some furnace time in our Christian journey. We'll all, every one of us, will have to face some furnace time. Matter of fact, right here today, some of you are in the furnace of a fiery trial. How many of you say, I'm in a furnace today? Yeah, we're in a furnace. How, how many of you say, well, I just got over a tough time in my life? Woo-wee. A lot of you are going to be right in that furnace soon. Because here's what I know. We're either, we are either in the furnace now, we just got out of the furnace, or it's getting heated up. And you're going to be in the furnace. Because that's life. That's life. And sometimes we're in the furnace longer than other times. But the result is the pure gold of Christ-like character begins to take shape in our life as God removes all the, all the impurities and all the dross from our life. And by the way, that's a lifetime deal. Job experienced some extended furnace time, and look what he said about the Lord. He knows the way that I take when he has tested me. I will come forth as gold. So what is God up to when he allows us to experience some furnace time. What is God trying to do when he allows you and I to go through hard times and deep suffering? There are many reasons, but I think the main reason is God uses hard times to help us get to know him better, to understand who he is, to understand his character, and to get us to, to put our trust in him. You see, in the furnace, we discover God's goodness. It's in the furnace that we discover God's goodness in a way we would have never experienced it before. You see, until your faith is put to the test, it remains theoretical. You see, you never know what you believe until the hard times comes. You know, it's so easy to be a Christian and love Jesus and raise both hands and worship God and bow down and, 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 when the things are good. 
But it's when the tough times come in life that our faith is tested and it's proved whether our faith is pure gold or our faith is just fluff. That's one of Susie's words, fluff. Is it just fluff or is it, you see, we don't know until the hard times come and then you find out for better or for worse. It's in the difficult times of life. You see, when the phone rings with bad news, when your son winds up in prison, when your best friend betrays you, when you lose your job, when your parents suddenly die, when life comes apart at the seams, then you discover. You discover what you truly and actually believe deep in your soul. Until then, your faith is theoretical because it's untested. You, you can talk about faith all you want, you can talk about how much you love Jesus, but you'll discover whether or not you really believe in Jesus and his promises and his love for you when you're in the fiery furnaces of, furnace of trial and suffering. You see, God's great plan in the furnace is to produce perseverance. Now, the Greek word for perseverance is sometimes translated as endurance or steadfastness or patience. What does that mean? You see, perseverance means that you've been battle-tested. You know, you've been battle-tested, and it stands up under the withering fire from the enemy. And it's a faith that doesn't cut and run. It's a faith that hangs in there and endures and trusts God and leans on him and, and puts all of our trust in him knowing that God loves us and that he's in control. Commentator William Barclay wrote that in the early church, the martyrs gained respect of the unbelievers because in the moment of death, they had this quality. To the very end, they died with their faith intact. It was said of them that they died singing. Finally, James shares the promise with us. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. You see, there's a process involved in our trials that leads to a finished product. Perseverance requires work. It requires faith. It requires hope. You see, it requires, it requires faith and hope when our world seems to be falling apart all around us. Perseverance says, I will not give up. I will not give up. I will not give up no matter what happens. I will not give up, no matter how hot the fire gets. I will not give up, no matter how bad life gets. No matter how hot the furnace gets, I will hold on because I made a commitment to God. And I got to tell you that some of those commitments that you made last week in, in, in the a revival in the heat of, a, of a, a time when God was here, you will hold on. If that commitment is really what you want to live by, you will hold on because you made a commitment. And you will hold on because you believe God has something good in store for you. G James says, our reward for hard-nosed perseverance is that I will become spiritually mature. You see, when trials have finished their work in us, we will not lack anything the Lord wants from us or wants for me. If we need faith, when we hold on and we, and, and we become spiritually mature, become spirit-filled, and we surrender to God and we allow him to be Lord of our lives, lives, we will not lack anything. When we need faith, we got it. 
If we need hope, we got it. If we need love, we got it. You see, if we need joy, we got it. If we need peace, we got it. If we need patience, we got it. If we need kindness, we got it. If we need goodness, we got it. If we need faith, we got it. If we need patience or self-control, two people got it. We got it. We got it. Whatever we need. If we'll hold on and we don't cut and run, if we don't carry anger and bitterness in our heart, but we surrender to the will of Jesus Christ in our lives and we allow him to fill us to overflowing with his wonderful love when we need it, we got it. We got it. You see, nothing will be left out. We got all that Christ promised. Now, the Christian way is not an easy way. And if anybody's ever told you that, they may have lied to you. Maybe not intentionally. But the Christian way is not an easy way. And anyone that says differently, they're telling you the whole story. You see, life is much like the Krispy Kreme donut. How many had a Krispy Kreme donut this morning? Your life will not only reflect Krispy Kreme donuts if you eat enough of them, (laughs) but we're a lot like Krispy Kreme donuts. They're so tasty. You see, especially when the hot light is on. I've known people to sit in the parking lot and wait for the heart light to come on. I know someone that drives all the way over town just to see if the hot light's on. You know, because they're so, they're just such a good, tasty, hot, delicious treat. So let me tell you about the process that leads to a Krispy Kreme donut. First, the little balls of dough are shot through with a piercing blast of air to create a hole in it. And then they go in the proof box. Now, the proof box is where you, you've been over there, all of you, most of you, and you that little box where they ride up and down like an elevator, and they're, they're uh, subject to a lot of that, the a- atmosphere of heat and humidity. And, and, and that causes the dough to rise and become that little piece of fat, tasty fat. And after this, they're dropped into a hot oil and they're boiled thoroughly, through and through. And after surviving this ordeal, the donuts pass through a cascading waterfall of icing. You see, there comes a time in everyone's life when we feel like a Krispy Kreme donut. We feel like we've been blasted with air, the heat is on, and we've been boiled in oil. And if you remember, if, if, if so, if you're in that, and when you get in that, remember that these experiences precede the tasty, sugary treat that arrives at the end of the journey and eventually melts in our mouth. When I started thinking about this series, that song that, would, that Jody and the band sang, that was, Gay was singing that or we heard it on the radio or something, I said, and I was trying to, I knew I was going to do something in James, and I said, wow, what a great title for a, a sermon series, Under Pressure. So you think I got that like, deep prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I got that listening to somebody sing Under Pressure. And uh, so when I thought about this series, I thought about Dwight James. He's a good man. And, and Dwight James uh, watches. He's on, he's on, he goes to our online church. Dwight, you might be online this morning if you are. Hello, buddy. But I thought of Dwight, and I thought, you know, it'd be great to interview him for this series, for this message on perseverance. 
and facing sufferings and trials. And, and so he was going to come here, and it just didn't work out. And not only topped the fact does he have MS, he broke his knee recently. And so we went out and did a video, and we thought we would share that with you. Hi, Dwight. How are you today? So, Dwight, have you ever felt like a Krispy Kreme? Yes, I have. Many times in my life, in fact. You know, uh, my grandfather, we were brought up in Chantilly before Dallas Airport was built, and it was all country. And there was many, so my grandfather would come out there because there were many fields and countryside to be able to pick blackberries. And he would always, he loved that more than anything. And uh, he would always tell me to make sure you wear long pants and long sleeves. It's going to be hot, but we're going to get probably stung and get some cheaters and a lot of briars are going to cut your wrist and all that but hey there's a berry in the bush and so you know i think uh from that young age i, I pretty much thought that uh, you know in every adversity there's a seed of greater benefit in there somewhere wow you learned so, you learned a life lesson at a very young age that has helped you through adversity so, Dwight, could you tell us a little bit about your situation and maybe some of the trials that you've been through because of it? Yes. Uh, I was pretty active all my life. Uh, and the type of muscular dystrophy that I had will hit you late in life, and it's very slow. And um, so I wasn't born with it. I know what life could be like with, without it. Mm -hmm. So it's... Um, to me, it's just a nuisance. And there's so many things that you just have to deal with that's a nuisance. But on the other hand, um, I've learned throughout my life, I think that, um, you know, uh, like the Krispy Kreme donut, in order to come out a shining, beautiful donut like that, you've got to go through some things. So in every adversity, I, I just look into there and think that, um, um, there's something that's good in there as well. You just mm -hmm. look for it. Mm -hmm. You don't know when it's going to be because it's not in our time. And you don't know exactly what it's going to be. So, But I, I spent most of my life in all the adversities we've had, which everybody's going to have, is to try to find um, the good in it somewhere. So um, right now, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm living the dream. Even though this is a nuisance and I can't walk like I used to and jump from rock to rock fishing. Um, I've, I've told Buddy many times I would love to go fishing with him. I'll do it again sometime. But, uh, you know, some things you just can't do. But when I say I'm living the dream, uh, when we moved in here, I thought, well, we're in a gated community with a nice lake. Let's get a nice boat. Well... You know, if I had the boat sitting in the driveway, I'd still be in front of my keyboard playing the music mm. because that's where my life is. And uh, I definitely have a, a passion for it. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's something worthwhile getting up in the morning and thinking, wow, can't wait to do something I want to do. Grab the coffee and get to it, right? Mm -hmm. Something that you so, love. Still, there are things. There, there's things in my life I had to change. In fact, when I was in the... Uh, rehab center for my broken knee in the last month or so they've watched me do things uh, with my muscular dystrophy that other people wouldn't do mm. 
you know, it's the way I would uh, fix a cup of coffee even, or, mm. or bring myself up to the keyboard or how mm -hmm. I handle my hands and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But what's beautiful about this and, you know, God is so good. Uh, and I pray every morning. I, I get up and ask for things that, you know, like everybody does. And, and uh, would ask to help me through this or help me see something in this that's good. Mm -hmm. And um, wouldn't you know that my hands and my wrists, out of all the things on my body that are affected, were never affected at all. So I have to give the credit to my mother for, you're going to take lessons mm -hmm. on this thing, and, um, and God for letting her know that... Uh, you know, I needed this in life. How did she know that? Well, you have a but, gift, uh, that's for sure. Now, through that process of having to adjust and adapt to changing your life from what it was to uh, the love that you have now, was there ever a time that you were bitter or angry or kind of questioned God? Oh, my goodness. A lot of times. Oh. How did you come through yes. that? Yes, in the beginning, it was... Uh, all the things in the world, how in the world I was diagnosed with this and they did a biopsy and found out that I have this this muscular dystrophy thing. You know, how am I going to deal with that? And they, they said that, and at the time, all I noticed was one leg getting a little thinner than the other. I didn't really realize any uh, physical atrophy, you know, and, and feel it. But as time goes on, this affects you late in life and it's very slow. I felt it coming on. And I kept thinking, well, why? Why? Mm -hmm. Why? And you know, that question of why comes up so many times in people's lives. I think that, uh, you know, you just have to maybe not ask why, but uh, just ask God to help you through it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, Dwight, the Bible says in James 1, 2 through 4, that we're to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And you know what, Dwight? That's what I see in you. I see a maturity and I see a perseverance that has allowed you to, to be where you are today because you inspire me. You really inspire me. I've heard you say several ways that you've learned to persevere, not only your grandfather giving you life lessons at a young age, but you getting up in the morning and, and praying, but also finding a new passion. So tell us more about the joy that you found. Well, you know, I'd like to think that uh, I'm fortunate in that respect, that um, how in the world was I put in a situation where I can't really hardly do anything except sit either in front of the computer or my keyboard. And I love music more than anything else in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, music did you so much. But Nancy and I um, learned years ago from a very successful individual um, that the, the really the best way to be happy, which is a choice, is to be in constant pursuit of some kind of worthwhile dream or goal. And... Um, you know, when you really put that in front of you and think to yourself, what am I actually really passionate about? And does everybody have it? I don't know. I'm fortunate that I found mine. 
but you're right. Um, I'm going to look for the good in everything. In fact, my family, when I talk to them, they'll go, hey, you know, how are you doing? I'll go, I'm great. And they go, oh, you say that regardless of what happened to you or your situation is. I go, you're right, I would. Truly, um, I feel like um, now that I understand and I have matured throughout the years um, and have gotten closer to God, thanks to Gay and Buddy, I may add, because mm-hmm. uh, they're on a mission and they're, they're doing wonders with people. And uh, I appreciate you for that. Thanks, you. But uh, I, I just feel like that I'm one of the few that's found the good in, in what we're supposed to find in happiness. Well, you have persevered, you've matured, you've developed your relationship. Thank you for your kind words. And, sure. and, um, and I know that your music has helped you. So could we hear you play a little bit oh, of your music? Wow, you really want to? I'm so honored that you wanted me to do this. We would love but, it. It's nice to be able to roll up to my piano. <laughs> Most people have to pull their their coat out and sit down in a chair and use all those muscles to get up and <laughs> I don't have to do that. Anyway, I went from the, the, the piano to the organ in my younger days and um, of course you play the organ with two keyboards on your feet. Well, I had to find something that would supplement my left hand a little bit with my feet rhythm so I found this, and since uh, they say you're only as good as your tools, well, after uh, all these years, found something that would suffice and maybe allow me to play everything. This was wonderful. You are an inspiration to me. And do you have any final words for us? Yeah, I would say that uh, just go ahead and accept the pressure that you're going to have in life because if you just keep finding the good in it, one day you're going to come out looking like a real pretty little Krispy Kreme donut. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dwight. I know that you're probably listening. I hope you are. And, you know, as I was sitting there thinking, uh, Dwight has an incredible wife. 
Nancy is, uh, she's just there by his side. Uh, she sent a little email last night and she said, wasn't he so adorable or handsome or something? And uh, she's just been there. And so Dwight, you're a blessed man with a, a wonderful wife like Nancy. You know, it's sometimes we forget the pressure that she might feel at times, but she's got a wonderful attitude and she loves the Lord. See, none of us look forward to trials and sufferings. There's no way, you know? I mean, I think about, I get up here and I talk about this. I think, yep, the enemy's going to hit you just right now because you're up there like you got your act together, which I don't. But none of us love hardship. But without them, we will never enjoy the sweet life of maturity. And we will not lack anything that we need when we need it, when those times hit in our life. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for today. We're grateful for this time that we have together this morning and Father, I'm thankful for those who have gathered here today. And I, I just pray, Lord, that you would be with us in a very special way. I pray that you would bless those who are in the furnace right now, those who are going through difficult times, those who are living under pressure. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would minister in a wonderful way this morning. I pray, God, that we would be remembered today that, uh, God, that uh, you have everything under control. That, Lord, no matter what's going on in our world today, that you're still sitting on the throne of this life, of our lives. And Jesus, we thank you that the Bible tells us that you're ever interceding for us. You said at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us on our behalf. And you know, folks, their heads bowed and their eyes closed. If there's ever one that knew suffering, it was certainly Jesus who knew suffering and trials. And yet... He took his punishment, he took his beatings and took being spit upon and laughed at and beaten and bruised and eventually put on a cross. He endured and he persevered to the end. And because he did, we have a savior today. And I was just thinking, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have a personal relationship with him. And maybe today would be the day of your salvation, today that you would say, wow, if God truly loves me, and if he'll truly help me through the trials of life, because whether we're a believer or not a believer, we're going to go through difficult times. If God, if you'll truly forgive me of my sins, then I want to have a relationship with you. If that's you or if you're online and that's you today or out in the cafe, would you pray this prayer with me? If you want to know Jesus in a personal way, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You just pray that. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for me. And Jesus, I confess to you that I have sinned in my life. We've all sinned, so just confess it. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I have sinned. Please forgive me. Just ask Jesus to forgive you. And now invite him into your life to be your savior. Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my savior. Now you just thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for being my savior. Now with all of our heads bowed just for a moment this morning as we close on our time together, no one looking around except me and you would like to just say today, you know what, buddy? I prayed that prayer and I believe Jesus Christ has saved me and forgiven me of my sins. And I just want to make witness to that today. With all of our heads bowed, would you just slip up your hand and say, I prayed that prayer today? 
Thank you. Thank you all over the auditorium. God bless you. God bless you. Now, when you leave today, Kelly's in the back. He's got a little table there, and he's got some wristbands there. And that wristband is, will tell you exactly, he'll explain that to you, exactly what Christ did for you today in your life. So I would encourage you to see him. Father, thank you for those who have committed their life to you today. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would minister in a very special way. And God, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you will do as we continue to live surrendered to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship together. If you'd like to come and pray, I notice the knee pads are gone, so this would be a hard prayer. But if you'd like to come and pray this morning and just surrender to God, surrender your difficulty, your trials, your suffering, and just ask for, ask for God to help you today, it's just a great place to pray. You don't have to do that, but we all want to offer it to you. God bless you.